Hey folks, and welcome to the Whiskey and Rocks podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by asshole drivers who cut across three lanes of traffic just to merge onto the off-ramp. Your inability to plan shouldn't impact my safety when we're going a buck twenty on the 401. But with that in mind, we're your hosts. Whiskey. And I'm Rocks. And today's episode is going to be on climate change. Do you recycle? <laughs> of course. Are you a recycler? I'm told to. You're told to? <laughs> I have to. Yeah. But I would anyway. Is it a residential government that looks after that for you? No, no, no. I am at heart a diehard organizer, even though my house would not suggest that. But I do, I take pride in being able to sort out glass, plastic, paper, elastic bands. You know why a tiger circles its cage? Why does a tiger circle its cage? Because <laughs> it's the only thing it has control over. Just like why you certain paper, plastic, and everything else. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me of how shallow my life is. I'm so happy now. Okay. Speaking so, of control. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have questions. And the first question I have, is climate change even real? And before you start laughing and going, oh, listen to this fucking guy. Let's just pretend that that's a legitimate question. The earth goes through all kinds of ebbs and flows. It goes through global warming. It goes through global cooling. We have evidence of this by glaciers, by increases in heat and all that kind of stuff. We, we have all that. But the question really is, are human beings actually having an effect on it? And if so, to what extent does that actually matter? Because, you know, I go on the news or you go on Facebook, you go on all that stuff and you look at, uh, you look at what debates and different interest groups are providing. And all I see is nothing but people with agendas um, lobbyists, all kinds of crap. So I don't know what to believe. I don't know what to what to go off of. And I don't know if like if I have a responsibility to the environment, which I'd like to think I do. I don't know where to. I don't know where to go from there. If I have so many conflicting opinions out, out in the world. So let's let's start with that. Okay. <laughs> That's a lot. It's a mouthful. <laughs> so let's resolve the world's social issues in today's podcast. Yeah. I'm gonna start with if you were in a room. With a large number of people, let's say a hundred people, and maybe five guys are sitting in the corner. I use guys loosely. It could be girls, but they're sitting in the corner. It's 2018, man. And one guy, and then there's a leader of the group, and he's presenting something. And those five guys are sitting in the corner going, yeah, he's talking a bunch of crap. What he's saying is not real. Would you listen to those five guys but or and ignore the other 95 that are in the room thinking that what he's saying is true? I'd be interested in what they have to say because, well, maybe they know something that I don't. Most people know something I don't. Okay, so if we're going to follow most people, that's 95. Okay. You're going to follow the ninth. So you're saying I just contradicted myself by saying something so silly like that. Yes. But why would why would those five guys in the back of the room even say something like that? Or do they know? Do they know something more? Do they know more than the the rest of the the majority? Well, there's a couple of things that are going on here. So there's a social phenomenon. If there's a few naysayers, they're seen as rebels and people to be admired. If they are, they have other interests in trying to sway the group. That could be an effect as well. But if we look at the evidences, could you honestly say that the ice caps in Greenland, the ice caps in Antarctica can be replaced? Some of the Northwest Passage is predicted to be ice-free in uh, the next 20 years. You mean replaced, like, in our lifetime? Do you really care about beyond that? So when you talk, when you raise kids, do you want them to be healthy? Well, of course. Well, then let's look at the next 20 years. Okay. Let's look at the next 50 years, his lifetime. 
Do you want to see your grandkids live a healthy life and give them the same opportunity you had? Of course. Okay, so let's just start there. Let's let's say that span is the next 50 years. In the next 50 years, the ice caps will be gone. The sea levels will rise. Climate change is impacting the way we grow crops. Here in Ontario, we get turkey vultures, which we never had before. There's animals that are dying off. Animals are migrating more north because the southern part's getting hotter. Things are changing. So if you want the same quality of life, I, I would argue that maybe you should take an interest in climate change. Yeah, but that, that still goes back to the original question. Are we having an impact on it? To what extent are we, if we are, if we're having an impact on it, is that is that an actual valid concern? Well, I guess the word impact is, can be taken positive and negative. Okay. So are we inducing climate change or are we preventing climate change? And do we have the power to do either? Yes and yes. Okay. So if we look at history, what does history say? In Sudbury, before they built the super stack, uh, that huge problem with acid rain. In fact, when you go there, most of the trees aren't thicker than a few inches because acid rain is so bad. The rocks are black. Oh, really? But you know what the super stack did when they built it? It's because of the topography. The super stack, what it did is instead of having the the exhaust float in the atmosphere in the city. It just puts the next stratosphere and let the wind blow around everywhere else. Oh, so it just like dissipates over a larger area. Over a larger area. Doesn't make it better. So you got places like San Francisco Bay where you have these large dead zones in the sea where all the water coming off the street is so toxic. It's creating these areas where there's no oxygen and all the sea life is dying. Okay. In that area. And there, these dead zones are moving. So the sea life that can't move fast enough to get out of its way are basically being overcome without oxygen. And if you think that's not possible, it's only these small little areas. I would argue that these areas are growing. And number two, plankton produce more oxygen than all the trees in the world. Really? Human- it's not trees. It's not like that. Like you see on the Planet Earth episode where they talk about that forest in Russia and that forest in Russia that accounts for like, what is it, like 33%? I just made that number up. 33% of the world's oxygen. Uh, Bullshit. (laughs) If you look at the surface area of the planet. You just called David Attenborough bullshit. I take offense to that, sir. Based on your made-up oxygen story, no. Um, <laughs> but if you look at if you look at the, how much oxygen that the plankton produce in this world, and realize that we're killing off the plankton that produce oxygen. So if we're killing off plankton that, that we depend on to live at an accelerated rate, I think that's going to have impact on the quality of life of your children and your grandchildren. It still goes back to the original question, though, like. To what extent, like, if, are we having an effect on it? Let's just, just go step by step here. Okay, so are you, do, are the people of San Francisco Bay and that area where all the, <clears throat> what we call it, hydrological region, so it's, it's larger than just San Francisco Bay, it is that whole, from the higher ridge lines where all the water flows through the, the waterways into that bay having an effect. Yes. Okay, so you're talking about an area with a high concentration of people, and and that is an example of 
lack of awareness or lack of action towards the environment, they are having a direct impact on their local area. Yeah. Same thing with Sudbury. Sudburyans. Yeah. Is that what they call them? Nick, is it Nicolites? <laughs> I just know there's a giant nickel there. I've touched it. Yeah, you've touched it. <laughs> Things will never be the same. I feel so ignorant. I'm sorry. Who waits from there? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so okay, so you've you've given two examples of um, it. Usually happens where there's high concentrations of people. Okay, we'll go with that. But our, the bay itself has no high concentrations of people. The ocean. This is where their waste ends up in the ocean. Okay. And it moves. It moves in killing other... It, it's not like a big pile of garbage. Hey, look at that garbage pile. It's still sitting there. No. It's moving and it's growing. And it's, that garbage pile isn't just sitting there. It's That garbage pile is not consuming more land. In the ocean, those dead zones are growing and moving. So as it consumes and wipes out the life there, it just moves around. Is there any other phenomenon like that? Yes. We have garbage islands floating around in our oceans. We have... And sea life that are choking on our plastic straws that are floating. Animals are eating garbage bags. And there's so many garbage bags in the <clears> oceans. <throat> it's, it's something something else. So are we having an impact on the wildlife and the diversity in the oceans, which support our ability to breathe? So we are having an impact. Let's let's agree on that. We're having an impact, and it's actually to More a pretty... More importantly, did I convince you? Did you convince me? Um, I'm going to go with the argument that we are having an impact. I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to be stupid about this, right? Okay, but you haven't answered the other side. So uh, you agree that we are inducing an impact on the environment, but now are, can, do, are we influencing positively in the environment? I think some t- in some cases we are. Well, you asked the question at the beginning of the podcast. Do I recycle? Well, yeah. Doesn't that mean I'm playing my part? And I, am I not doing good? Well, that, <laughs> I do good. Well, there's there's another argument. I mean, you're just participating in another another business machine. Oh. While you're supplying the raw materials for somebody else's business, and you're just free labor. Oh, okay. So now now we're getting into we're getting into how I'm just a slave to the actions of whoever decides what I have to do, right? Indentured Ooh. servitude. Yeah. Oh, this is this is we're gonna get into a bigger argument here. Let's start simple here. The first thing being, we've answered the question, at least providing some examples. Okay, let's just assume that, yes, humans are having a direct impact on the environment. Okay, okay, well, let's, let's agree on that. And to a pretty serious extent, it appears, because of all the problems that are going. The problem is, you're still seeing a massive debate about it. You're still seeing people with agendas pushing what seems like nonsense to me like when you see bill nye getting into a fight with uh i don't know who's it tucker carlson i don't know you just had it, it didn't seem genuine like it didn't seem the case for climate change was winning in in those situations but it just it still brings up the the bigger question is like why are we even having a, a debate about this why are there so many other actors out there pushing different agendas you can look at it two ways as a consumer, you make choices. Product A or product B, or we'll go product E for product environmentally friendly. And if you had a, if a consumer has a choice to select a product that's more environmentally friendly, is would that product most likely cost a bit more? 
it seems like it's costing people a hell of a lot more money. It's like even just little things. And I'm that's just kind of a side tangent, but you like you if you uh, if you produce something and call it organic, you can put a massive amount of charge on whatever that thing is just because you called it organic. Like you see that in the supermarket all the time. Can you name an inorganic orange? Yes, I cannot. I get it. That's fine. I understand where you're going with that. Aside from the color. (laughs) Here's the thing. You know what I'm talking about, right? I totally agree. You know what I'm saying? Like when people are using just just the fact, just the word, it's organic. And then they can they can use whatever bullshit excuse they can to to increase the the amount of money that they charge for a product because it's organic. Uh, let's do a guide discussion. So you're so impassioned. <laughs> what does organic mean in practice? Something that's living. If you have an organic farm, what does that mean in practice? Like, what does that mean? I can't. I don't even know. I can't. I'm not even going to try to answer that question. If I have an organic farm. I have a farm that has living things on it, and I produce living things. True, but you're not going to Isn't that all farms? Yeah, maybe you're a rock garden, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're a farmer. He's a couple of acres. <laughs> anyway, so if we go down this route, how about if we said an organic farmer is one that doesn't use environmentally harmful pesticides? Okay. Are they better than the rest of non-chemical or non-harmful pesticides? I don't know if they're more effective, but if the argument is for the environment, are they doing a better job than those people providing spraying their crops with all these pesticides that could be harmful to the environment? Well, the argument is pretty clear there. Well, no. Let me go down this this logic thread here. If the, the organic farmer has to use by definition, pesticides or choose to, for that matter, use pesticides that are less effective because they don't kill everything in sight, their yields are lower. Because their yields are lower, they still have similar operating cost as a farmer that would use. But they get less profit. That's the end effect. Yeah. Because they use less chem- different kind of chemicals and their yields are lower, their cost per bushel or cost per unit is higher. Okay. And because you choose the... I'm just looking at your counter here since we're doing it in your house. uh, You choose all the products with the nice-shaped peppers. Oh, I grew grew those in my garden. Without the blemishing ones. No, I grew those in my backyard. Yeah, where are the deformed ones? Did you throw them out? There weren't any deformed ones. Those are all perfect. They're bullshit. I I, only grow perfect peppers here. I only grow perfect peppers. You should be an organic farmer. Yeah, I'm Peter the perfect pepper grower. (laughs) But... but, uh, for the record, everybody, they're smaller than everybody else's. They are very small, <laughs> yeah, because they they're not genetically modified, right? They're, they were when they were seeds. Yeah, my tomatoes, my I'm so pissed off. My corn got eaten by raccoons over the summer. I had like five husks ready to pick, and fucking raccoons came in. <laughs> so let's just say you won't be making a business out of it because your yields are off the level. <laughs> But you see the, the the type of care, right? Okay. So you're not using chemical pesticides. So if we look at case in point, would be uh, corn and Roundup. Roundup is uh, an agent that's very effective. 
one of the side effects in the last recent years is because it's made with Monsanto. What is it? Can you explain that? Roundup. Yeah. I can't, I can't remember the chemical's name, but one of the side effects is cancer. And it was proven in a court of law. So the studies are refuted, but hear me out. Okay. The side effect for this individual was cancer. They've been making corn that's been resistant to Roundup. So they could spray the cornfields with Roundup and have only corn grow. What are you eating? Roundup. So you're saying I'm going to get cancer. <laughs> if you don't grow your own corn. But that's the that's how people who are purely organic are focused. You mean they're focused on doing everything in their power to not use stuff that could cause serious harm to both people and to the environment because it's... Well, it goes into the ground, goes into the water, runs out the waterway, and into San Francisco Bay. Okay. <laughs> so where we're going this is that how how can the organic monarchs survive? Is because there are now people making choices. They're choosing the more expensive route. But there's also people making choices to affect and lobby, even government. Uh, they, there's people with agendas who are who are saying no, no, no. It's all good. Like. Maybe the, maybe there is climate change, but we're not having any impact whatsoever. Well, let's look at the business case of that. Okay. I can give a million dollars to a lobby group to do a particular action for me, or I can spend 20, 30, or 100 million retooling. That's a business move. That's a cost move then. Mm-hmm. So, like, basically kind of what they did, uh, and I'm, I'm getting my knowledge secondhand through that uh, Carl Sagan 2.0 show uh the cosmos uh they talked about lead Mm -hmm. and the production of lead the reason why we have say unleaded gas and and there's no more lead produced in paints and all that kind of stuff is because there was a big fight about it with the government between i can't remember the uh i can't remember the name of the scientist but he found out a, a way how to um find out the age of the earth and then he figured out a way to measure uh, lead content in the atmosphere and in all of our products, all that kind of stuff. And uh, um, and there was a big bun fight with this because there was uh, the biggest thing was with leaded gasoline. Major car companies uh, wanted, uh, and special interest groups, they wanted to, they tried to lobby the government. They had their own scientists to lobby the government um, to go and basically say yeah there's nothing wrong with lead it's all good and it, you know it's clean it's healthy it's like clean coal <laughs> um and uh, and it's good for it's good for cars it's good for kids it's good for everybody and the scientist said he provided all the research necessary and said listen uh, no uh it's actually horrible for the environment um and the government actually decided to do good things with that i'm doing a horrible job of explaining this but you you know where i'm going with it i think i think i i I do you you, what you're you're showing me is one there's a one there's a business side to saying it's fine um and in, in that type of fight if you will there's research and conflicting research all the all the time you gotta you gotta look who sponsored the research where it's come from, what was the aim? You gotta really dig down. Yes. <laughs> but anyways, you can find research. Research will always be sponsored to show things, not necessarily to support a particular view. 
So you can have a research that's sponsored to, to look into contrarian views right. and majority views. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's pretty common sense. There's people who are hired, right, to represent the interests of the business. And that's how lobby groups work. Yeah. So lobby groups are there to present to government research, quote unquote, to do that. I think that's I think that's pretty obvious. Like, but the question then becomes: if the research is so overwhelming that yes, climate change is happening, yes, human beings are having a direct impact on it, and to an extent that could be detrimental to us in the next fifty years, why are we having a bun fight about it? Q four profits. Q4 profits. Q4 profits. You mean like fourth quarter? Yeah. Because okay. businesses thrive and die by the next quarter. So they only care about meeting their profit margins. Well, you're overdraft, generalizing. Some only care about Q4 profits and some, and they make decisions based on that. Okay. So if I'm a loosely ethical business, I'm going to lobby the government to make things shift my way. Because if I have to retool, that's going to cost me a lot of money. Okay. And if I have to retool, I may have to shut down. If I shut down, I'm not making money. Okay, but there has to be a case made for whether or not... I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit later, but um, there has to be a case made for how... Whether or not, you know, it's in the interest of business to be for for, uh, effective uh, environmental... Um, support that kind of stuff you know um, I'm sure there's a case to be made for that like so if we look at making how, how would a government do it well right now <laughs> they're taxing the fuck out of me <laughs> Wait. make more money it's okay uh, well make more money that's my that's my solution get a haircut get a job how dare you <laughs> okay so <clears throat> we talk about business and we talk about business interests we know there's a bond fight there's really nothing we can do about that until there's lots of things you can do if you choose not to buy choose not to buy okay if you don't buy the business doesn't exist anymore i don't like that asshole so fuck him yeah but then government steps in so this is this is the other part yeah well Well, government has stepped in that is one vehicle you you can have government consumer-led action which is fuck him they want to pollute the earth. They want to spray Roundup over my corn, and I like corn. And that's that's consumer-led action, but that's voting with their wallet, right? Yeah, and business, and then government could step in saying we want businesses to change for the better, fundamentally change. Well, we know we know that voting with your wallet wallet doesn't necessarily work. People are just gonna buy what they buy. Like sure, it is. Well, it is if it's seriously impacting them. I don't think straw manufacturers are very happy in a lot of different places. But I'm talking about consumers. Yeah. Businesses, we call it municipal action to ban straws in many municipalities. There's in municipal Canada. There's municipal action to ban, well, sorry, say that again? Straws. Plastic straws. Oh, plastic straws. I thought you were talking about, because we got on this whole topic about farming. I thought you were talking about actual, like, hay. Like, <laughs> and I'm also, <laughs> my wife owns a, owns a business, and there's a lot of hay products involved with that, so I'm sorry. I've got straw on the mind. Hey, it's my turn. <laughs> um, okay, what I'm getting at with when I'm talking about consumers, um, 
not voting with their wallets enough and like I'm talking about when you go to a grocery store I don't think people are checking where that they're not reading the fine print or anything like that of where did this product actually come from was it treated uh, was it treated uh, environment under environmentally friendly pretenses you know did they did they spray it with the pesticides that could cause me cancer or did they do did they do the you know put the good shit on it you know wow let me unpack that yes i need to do a better job of explaining and things no. i get that i get that so if i take this and i'll take one and say how to vote with your wallet guys buy for com- countries that care about their people and with reputation but people don't do that some do some do and it's a growing and you know what is your wonderful generation that's a more discerning consumer than the previous. that'll be a topic for another day we're not going to get into that today but let me, let me don't don't get stuck on my segue i'm just going to go the tangent i'm going to walk back <laughs> knowing where your products come from as we drink this wonderful bottle of scotch knowing where your product came from how it was made what it tastes like yeah you guys do it you just selectively do it on certain things now if i told you the shrimp that you bought came from the mississippi delta or in the mississippi basin if you want to look at it Mm. you know there's a certain quality there yeah if i told you your fish came from a fish farm in vietnam there's certain things you need to understand there are chemicals that's authorized in vietnam to grow their shrimp for pesticides they're not authorized in north america okay that's why they have the fish farms there. But me as a consumer, I'm not looking at that when, uh, I, when I'm picking up fish. You know, my fisherman's friend. <laughs> I'm not looking. I'm, if you take the time to look what like what marketplace is doing, and the and I look at the labels, like where does this come from? Is it worth the risk? Is it worth the risk? And especially when it comes to fish products, how many fish products are mislabeled is is, is astounding. I can't remember this percentage, but like eighty percent of fish are mislabeled. Okay, you know that. And the CBC marketplace knows that. But Jim doesn't know that. And Jim needs to get a TV. And Michelle doesn't know that. And I don't know that. I think we should invite them on our podcast. <laughs> so you aim to educate from this point on. <laughs> or I aim to civilize. There's no cure for stupid. There can be. That's why we have a podcast. We're the cure for stupid. Because I'm stupid. And you're, you're apparently the cure. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what I'm getting at, right? How many people actually pay attention to that shit? They just don't. How about we start right here and we say, this is why you should care. Okay, this is why you should care. I'm going to I'm gonna help you out here, though. No, I, I actually am because... You're a good friend. In, yeah, even if there's a vast majority of people who doesn't pay attention to this type of shit and they don't actually... They don't really care about it that much as long as they're able to put food on their table for their families um, and for themselves and all that kind of stuff. They really don't care. But there is a very loud minority that does look out for those those other people's interests. That's the assumption. And the case is being made that um, business, it's in the it's in the interest of any business person to continue forward doing um running their business uh, under economically sound or, well, environmentally sound pretenses. So I'll go with that. I'm going to say one thing. Do you need to eat three times a day-ish? I don't, but I'm... Do you need to eat every day? Well, you should. Okay. Do you plan to eat every day? Yeah. Okay. 
So if you plan to eat every day, I recommend to get educated. If you're going to do it every day, by the time you die, you should be an expert. You shouldn't be trying to make me work, sir. That's not how this is going to happen. Listen. <laughs> Listen. You're doing it every day anyway. I work hard for my money so that I can go. Just because you can't spell pizza pops. And get taxed by the... So that way I can just go home, turn on Netflix, and eat my supper, and spend time with my family. As you're taking it out of the cardboard box. I don't, I don't have the time or the energy to go and learn some new shit. So that way I can go and start lobbying government. The 75 days to grow green pepper? No, I did that because I wanted to. Did your wife tell you to? Uh, it was actually her garden. I just kind of took it over. <laughs> Here, honey, do this. Well, I built her I built her a big garden box for Mother's Day, and she was very happy about that. She was very appreciative. And I uh, and then I ended up just kind of running it. <laughs> okay, Rox has got control issues. Yeah, I do. I have serious. I'm a, I'm a big control freak. Okay. All right, paper, then, plastics, and plant your garden. But you, and the box. So, where I think we should go with this is recognizing people and rocks all have the ability to, to decide with their wallets. If a business does not exist because it provided bad ideas or bad products, it shouldn't exist and you shouldn't support them. Okay. Okay. The second piece is that is the government is trying to help. Well, let's but, take but, well, a step back there because it's business first, right? Because it's people taking action. And then it goes translates into business because it has to be independent action. Mm-hmm. And then this is where we get into, okay, the government is now taking action in this. I want to get into, especially with taxing, like carbon taxing, especially uh, in Canada. Because we, we're, we're undergoing that right now. Um, and a lot of people, and I've been one of them, I don't know. I've, I've been talking to you too much, so maybe I can be enlightened a little bit more. If I'm going to inflate your ego any more than it needs to be inflated. But with carbon taxing, like, if this if this whole thing is really a problem, what makes you think that the government is capable of solving it by taxing you? And why are they taxing you? Well, it's not capable of solving it. It can nudge it in the right direction. So let's look at two things. If I say, okay, automotive manufacturers, your vehicles cannot exceed carbon output X being a particular value. Manufacturers will only build to X. Even though there's technology out there that could go better. So if the technology can, even though they can go better, there's no incentive for them to improve. I already meet the standards, so fuck off. Uh, case in point would be um, Volkswagen when they said, we meet our, we meet specifications. Oh, oh yeah, well. They did some fucked up shit, though. I'm, they met specification. They're... Com- you no one ever said the computer had to do the, the do the same thing over and over again, because the, the the computer can do has different modes. But they did something else completely different. They knew they, they deliberately lied. deceived it. Well, they delivered. They it. deceived consumers. Oh, you know, I had a TDI. Um, <laughs> the point is, is that it met specification in demonstration mode, but as soon as it went to performance mode, it is not the case whatsoever. So, when you create a ceiling for something. Okay. The manufacturer, the business, will meet the specification and will stop there. It may have us do research to improve it a little bit. Right. But unless there's an incentive to put on the market, if it's a flavor of the day and they will use that to compete, then they will. 
But in that case, unless they're, they're, there is an incentive put on the market, they won't. So how, without putting a ceiling in it, how do you induce? So you, you charge business when they go past that ceiling, and then you have to incentivize them when they when they don't hit that ceiling, when they come under it, right? So that's what government really wants to do. But when you, have a, when you set a statutory limit, they'll meet that statutory limit or hover around it because there's certain tolerances. Nothing in the world's perfect. Okay. So how do you incentivize, if you're saying, how do you make it, give them an incentive to exceed it? Well, the first one isn't, say, regulation. Your industry is not producing this much carbon in the atmosphere. You need to fix your processes. You mean the government comes in and physically tells them, it's like, this is, you got to change. You got to change. So when you do the math and you're, you're developing uh, options to reduce whatever footprint. So businesses, they want to maximize profit. The way to maximize profit is to look at your revenues versus your costs. Mm -hmm. If you could put in, impose a carbon tax, that inflates their cost. Now, they're going to have margins is eventually pass on to the consumer, but the consumer doesn't want to buy the expensive thing. They're going to go buy something that's within the brackets. They're going to buy the lower cost thing. But the business wants to keep them buying the same products or a higher up product. So the way they're going to do it is they're going to make, by putting a cost in there for a high polluting item, they're going to re try and reduce as much as possible. And you can do that with green technologies. You can reduce that tax to near nothing. You're hurting an artificial market for carbon tax credits, blah, 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 blah. And that's good too, because you can have industries that will s sell them off uh, to higher polluting ones. So when we have a couple industries, when we when one industry gives tax credits to another or sells tax credits to another industry, we're double incentivizing for an industry to lower its carbon footprint, lower its carbon output. So the target the target is for is against business to lower their carbon footprint. Now this this raises the question for me: like I'm one person, why the fuck? Why are they taxing me? Why can't they just tax? those big businesses why can't they just make sure that that's it that that's in control for those businesses they're the ones that are according to you polluting the environment so why i mean yeah i'm driving a car i have uh i'm burning fossil fuels and i'm i have all kinds of stuff going on with my house but why am i the one being punished when it's these businesses that are producing this stuff to, for me to purchase what's the business case so the businesses operate with an expected margin. So whatever the sale price minus its cost is a margin. Now, if a business can sustain a margin, some of them for electronics, it's like 4%. It's not very high. For them to absorb that kind into their cost, they wouldn't be able to produce it anymore. Sorry, I'm, you're kind of losing me here. Okay, so if I made a particular uh, item, let's say item X, or this uh, Windows Surface Pro that I have right here, but we're not sponsored by them. So anyways, profit margin of 4%. So what I sell it for, Microsoft, for example, only makes 4%. I give, I induce a tax, a carbon tax on them at 4%. They're not, they're not going to make any money on it. There's no longer any incentive for them to produce it. A competitor who chooses to upgrade their facilities in order to take advantage of the tax credits or tax, uh, to reduce their tax is carbon taxes, mm -hmm. makes 3%. What will happen is Microsoft will cease to produce this product. The company will get double the business. What does that have to do with me? What happens is the options and choices. If you look at a carbon tax, the carbon tax is ultimately passed to the customer. 
If you can no longer afford it, they're going to stop producing it. If I can, what do you mean by that? Well, there's two, there's two really two choices. If you impose a tax on a business, they're either going to raise their costs or they're going to pass the sale price will go up. Which they already do, right? Because if you go to buy a car, that price is increased by that percentage of the tax, is it not? Like they're, they're already factoring that in into their, their, their sale of vehicles, are they not? But everything is. But okay. Yes and no. And it, it's not always that cut and dry. So when you look at a vehicle, it's a collection of parts. And some parts are going up, some parts are going down. So which is the exact, is that 4% off the top? I can't remember. You see what I'm going at? It's like, it's easy to say. Well, 4% off the top, what do you mean by that? Oh, because I use the example of 4% carbon tax. Yeah. So if, if it goes up 4%, is that 4% purely attributable to the carbon tax? Or was it that raise they negotiated for the union last year? Or was it the price of aluminum tariffs that were run on the U.S.? Or is it like the availability of a particular thing or transport costs went up because there's a, a border tax? Like there's there's a lot more factors at play than just the cost of a vehicle going up. No, but it, what I'm still goes back to the original question is, is it like, why is this, why does this have to impact me? You know, aren't I already taxed enough? Why, why are you throwing another tax on me? Why are you punishing me, the citizen? Right. You're, 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 it's, it's funny when you ask these questions because you go into these tangents and the, the more you actually have to go into business to figure this out. So there's different types of strategies in order to survive. You for can, who? For businesses. For businesses. For businesses. Okay, so bus- what happens to business directly impacts me is what you're getting at. Well, it impacts your choices. Okay. If you choose to live on in the woods by yourself, they're not going to impact you. But if you're heavily reliant on everything around you, yes, business choices will 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 do it. If you only have one grocery store in your neighborhood, well, it's going to impact you because you only have one choice. For you as a consumer, your choices matter. But I don't have a choice to but but to pay a tax. Well, the t- taxes are going to be around around you, but you want the incentive. For the business to change. The most predominant ones you're going to interact with are low-cost leaders. And that's a business strategy. As a low-cost strategy or a price leader, you're looking at items like Walmart, no frills. And if you're a low-cost leader, you're going to look for ways to reduce your costs. So if you look at your books and you say, I can reduce my cost by 4% if I adopt a particular, particular technology, I'm going to include that into my cost analysis to figure out, um, to help me to decide which technologies to invest in, in order to make my, my, my process more efficient. Okay. How does that impact me? It does impact you because if you're only going for the lowest cost as a consumer, as a consumer and a business, because you're looking to maximize your revenue by reducing costs and you factor in carbon taxation, the business themselves will start adopting technologies that favor more climate friendly or ecologically friendly practices you're still arguing from the point of view that well carbon tax is already there it's already like no but the question still is why are they imposing it on everyone and why aren't they just imposing it on i'm Rock, paying into that rocks? carbon tax no, you're not not directly no you're not oh, what do you mean do you where, where it showed to me on a receipt oh you didn't just do that show it to me on a receipt <laughs> I don't have a receipt on my hands. Show me any receipt that says carbon tax on it. 
But the government... The 5% hotel fee in Ottawa is real? The conservative government would have me believe... Have you believe that uh, we, we should get rid of this thing? This carbon tax? Listen, there's nothing wrong with the bit of taxes. If you need to shape the view of businesses to, to be pro a certain thing, and you're going to use taxation as a vehicle to do it, do it. Is it going to be the perfect solution? No. But what's the alternative? Here's the... Here's the no, no, no. Answer my question right now. What is the alternative? The alternative to taxation? The alternative... Don't tax. <laughs> There's my alternative. My myopic <laughs> my friend. Okay. No, here's here's a better way to rephrase the No, look past your nose. I'm saying if you're looking at ways to try and get businesses to think green, give me one. Tax the businesses. Don't tax the people. Sure. Again... Show me where the taxes go. I don't know where the taxes go. I'll do. I know. Uh, here's the thing. This is my money that we're talking about, right? Um, this is my money that the government is taking. Does that money go to a, a greener earth envelope, or does it uh, does it just get added to everything else that the receiver general takes in? Well, it goes to the receiver general. But the point. <laughs> well, so I, I think there's a, there? there's a missing link. Okay, where do, if I tax a business, give them corporate tax. How does that affect you? If you tax a business mm-hmm. based on a corporate tax that is okay, that is labeled under greener earth tax or carbon yeah, tax, matter. whatever, doesn't matter. I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna... How does it impact me? Okay, I see what you're saying. It impacts me. They raise their costs of their products that I choose to buy. Because in your previous statement, you said to me, tax the businesses. Don't tax me. Which they are. But they are also taxing me, are they not? Does it not come out of my taxes? No. No? It comes into things you buy. Because it comes down to your choices. Because it sounds so like So we started it. like 40 minutes ago. Uh, all right, okay. Choices. You can vote with your wallet. And if you're a business, if your costs are inflated by carbon tax, your incentive is to reduce your taxes. Okay. Because by investing in technologies that are more green. I just realized it's my own stupidity. Let's government. just move past that for a second and, and pretend the last 20 to 30 <laughs> minutes didn't happen. Okay. The government is influencing <laughs> business to become more green so we can stop polluting our oceans and, and so much your grandchildren can breathe. Okay, fine, fine. That's the, that's the super long term, okay? So my grandchildren can breathe. But that's like that's like, that's like basically saying... Put your hands out, fill hopes and dreams in one hand, and put shit in the other, and see what fills up faster. Okay, that's 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 a genuine like it seems like a genuine notion and all, but how does it actually benefit me? That's and that's a real good that's a that's a genuine question, right? Uh, like how does something like a carbon tax actually benefit me in the long run as a consumer? And I'm not just talking about do you want to breathe. Do you want to be able to have your kids in the future? And do you want them to be successful? And No, like, like, how does it benefit me in the long run? The investing in your environment is not like picking out a paint color, but it can. That, it can benefit. It can. Us. Okay. And in your lifetime, it will change things. Okay. That's why I put in the super stack thing at Sudbury. Once they built the super stack and they changed the way they started emitting, trees started growing back. Okay. The acid rain wasn't eating them anymore. Okay. What else? Trees are important. There's got to be a bigger... No, there's got to be a bigger thing. Oh, look, look at the depletion of fish stocks. Look at... Like, what What part? Like, air quality around Toronto is pink. Look, look at the pollution and smog. Breathing. So... Oxygen is overrated. So, if we create incentive for people 
Some people blow smoke and rocks. Breathe. Does not believe in breathing. Breathe. It was breathe, for the record. Breathe. He's on our no breathing diet for sober October. <laughs> we could talk. Why don't we talk about this real quick? So, what are you going to give up? I'm going to give up liquor and caffeine. Liquor and caffeine. I'm definitely giving up liquor. What if you drank uh, de- decaffeinated products, decaf coffee or decaf tea? Do you realize decaf isn't really decaf? Is it? No, it, there's, there's still caffeine in it. Why am I being lied to all the time? It's because you don't read the labels. Because I don't read the labels. <laughs> that's that's no fucking excuse. They called it decaf. No. Yes. No, they said decaffeinated. So? so what they Same do. thing. So what they do is- How is that different? Same difference. <laughs> no. <laughs> It's like diet soda. Diet diet soda is all you got to be for people on diets. I'm being lied to fucking again and again and again. Literacy is an important skill. No. (laughs) Literacy is an important (laughs) skill. Being a lawyer is not an important skill. I'm not a lawyer. Well, you're talking about fine print shit. This is fine print shit. When it says, when the title on on the fucking, on the box that it comes in says... Decaffeinated, I expect there to be zero caffeine. <laughs> Come on. So diet Coca-Cola is only for people for diets? Yeah, that's uh that's a fuzzy subject. That's different. That is different. So Coke Zero is there's nothing in it? They apparently they it has zero calories in it. No, but it says zero on it, so there's nothing in it? it means there's zero milliliters? You you can go ahead and try Pulling but, off this, uh, this, I will because I I haven't got this, my coup, I haven't got my coup de gras yet. This black and white argument, it will not fly with me. So decaffeinated. That is a very specific word. It's not like zero. <laughs> it's not like there's an implied sense of something else. When it says it's decaffeinated, it better well fucking have no caffeine in it. Do you want me to explain it to you, or you just want to keep going on your rant? I like ranting. I just want to hear the sound of my own voice. No, I'm done now. You go ahead. <laughs> so decaffeinated refers to the addition of an enzyme that actually eats caffeine. So it went through the enzyme decaffeination process. Decaffeinated. It means it's got like 30% of the caffeine it normally does. So it still has caffeine in it. Bingo. It's not like zero. <laughs> well, there's that place that is called Think Simply Well. They have a, like a mushroom coffee you can drink that. Ew. Mushroom coffee? Don't ask me. That sounds awful. It was. Okay. All right. So let's... <laughs> we got on a... But it's good for the environment. <laughs> we got... Yeah, it's good for the environment. We got... Uh, we got drink on fungus, not berries. We got... Drink fungus. Oh, my God. Yeah. Now we're going to go back to our... Let's know. let's not go there anymore. Returning from our segue, yeah, we've got a T-shirt. So we will, if we if we look at it and we say, by adding a incentive for businesses to reduce their carbon footprint, yeah, the government can induce ecological positive changes in business practices in this country, and that can affect the consumer. Yes, first, first of all, by allowing us to have oxygen fifty years into the future. Why he's so snarky? Well, I'm not. I'm not snarky about it, but I'm just like I think it's. I think that's a cop out argument. I think there needs to be more. Okay, so let's let's go. It's, and I think that's a, a valid concern. No, you're taxing the the business processes. You're taxing the business pro processes, but it is directly impacting me. I have no, to pay only more. On the, only things on you decide to buy. No, I have to pay only on the things you decide to buy. And what's available? Well, air is free until they come and tax that too. Well, next year. Yeah. 
So, no. so when it comes down to it, if you're going to complain, come up with a better alternative. And if you say tax the businesses that are making the pollution, they are. They are. Okay. So when you decide to buy with the ones that are more polluting because they have to pay more taxes, that's on you. Vote with your wallet. If you don't want to be taxed like that, choose not to buy them. But that's just more money. That's more money I have to spend choose to go in that direction. Well, then you stop buying the most carbon expensive thing. I feel like I'm being punished here. I still feel like I'm being punished. It's because you didn't read the fine print. Because it wasn't me that made the car. It wasn't me you that... You bought it. You created You created a market for it. That was what was available to me to purchase. If you made the choice and you bought the most ecologically, ecologically beneficial car, then make more of them. But it was a hell of a lot more and expensive to go and buy the electric car. And you want to hear something really interesting? Until now. If you look at a margin on, let's say, a small car, almost two-door seaters, four-door with a hatchback, really cheap car. You know what? The car companies make very little money on those things. But they recognize by making them that the next time you go and trade in your car, you're going to go back to that brand. So they make the small cars to basically bait you for life. Because if you if you buy a Ford or a Chevy, you're more likely to stay with that brand as you trade up. And really? once you get into luxury brands and you get your degree and you're past your first car and you're well-established, you can buy the minivan. And once you buy the minivan and you retire, you're going to get the truck and so forth. So they buy that. And once you get into the luxury class of vehicles, that margin is like 30, 40%. Really? Oh, yeah. So, wow, wow, that's a, that's a, mouth, that's a mouthful. So now you want to talk about carbon footprint when you're paying a 40% margin. So who's the idiot? Well... You make it sound like I am, but I'm also very interested in protecting Canadian jobs and people who are making those cars within Canada. They're not making them, but they're assembling them. GM workers, that kind of thing. You know what I'm you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but we're talking about the processes they're using. So if they're using a green process where they're not getting taxed a lot, then that's what's going to happen. But if they're using processes that are historically have been, well, what they've been historically used for, then they're going to be penalized for it. And their costs of operation are be higher and it'll be harder for them to compete. So if they want to compete, they're going to be more... Uh, more. If they want to compete, what they do is they move to another country. Yes, and you move to outside of the country and your import taxes go up even farther. So if you're talking about a 4% carbon tax or whatever it is, Versus twenty five import twenty five percent import duty. So there's a reason why so Toyota a, is here. So there's a, a reason why Volkswagen has a plant here. So as a business person, you're asking yourself these questions. Like pretend you're you're a major corporation business owner or CEO or whatever of say a major auto manufacturer, and you're asking yourselves these questions. Is it more? Um, is it more costly to take my business outside of the country and sell it back into it and have both carbon taxes and import taxes imposed on me? Or is it more in my interest to go and start paying for greener technologies that will, you, you know, well, let's you know, figure, you know let's where I'm going Most technology doesn't last 50 years. I mean, some of it does, but most of it doesn't. You're talking about life cycles. Equipment has life cycles. So... If you impose a carbon tax today, they might get taxed today at whatever rate it is. We made up 4%. That's, I'm not sure what the rate is. But the point is, is that once you get down to it, next time you're investing in technologies that 
percentage of carbon tax that, in, that is incurred by the business may be alleviated by investing in further green technologies. That's a good thing. That's the government incentivizing change. Okay. Yes, short term, yeah, you might pay a little bit more. But can you breathe when your kids want to breathe? When you talk about respiratory illnesses on the rise, when you talk about smog and the cleanup of, of smog, carbon <laughs> sequestration, when, when you talk about how we're going to go about the, doing that, well, we have a way of doing it. We can incentivizing positive change for our, our world. So what you're saying is it's cool to be green. Is it actually, is it like, well, it's in the interest of business to do that. Well, if climate change is heating the planet, yeah, it's cool to be green. Oh, God, please. <laughs> Get out of here with your stupid dad jokes. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it becomes business and government. See, yeah, shut up. Business and governments are helping them, according to you. Government is for sure on their end, and it's going to be a slow turnaround, but it is happening that businesses, by and large, are becoming more part of that process where it's it's becoming economical and it's becoming more business uh oriented to become greener yeah and i think there's an unexplored option to this if we look at businesses when they go up or industries and they had a very unecologically friendly process and uh, here on near the rideau canal where we are they used to have different kinds of industries along it. When they had the lead smelter on the Rio, uh, along the side of the Rio Canal, the cadmium, the cadmium smelter as well, and the businesses left and vacated the property, either went bankrupt. And if a company goes bankrupt, there's limited ability for the government to say, clean it up. There's no company anymore to clean it up. So who's going to clean it up? Looking at the long term and the whole life of a business in which a business closes, and goes bankrupt, leaves a warehouse, a production facility, an industrial waste site. Because once they close the door, there's no one to clean it up. A clean business, a cleaner business process will avoid the government to be on the hook for that. I kind of see where you're going with that. So if we're looking for the benefit of the people. You're, you're talking about preventative action more so than you are talking about reactive action. So that's where we're... we're I mean, we are kind of in reactive action right now because we're responding to what has been construed as a global crisis, right? Because of dumb ideas in the past, yeah. Because of dumb ideas. Well, we just didn't know any better. When they were putting lead lead in the paint of children's toys when I was growing up, they knew better. Uh, well, no, the argument is that, well, when did that get changed? In the, how, how long ago was it? Was in the, the 90s. 60s, 70s? <laughs> 80s and 90s. 80s and 90s when it started coming back in Canada. Yeah, so, so. But it took a, it takes a long time for change. That's the thing. Change happens over a long time. But people don't like change. I don't like change. Yeah, we've made that clear. Oh, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> but that's, you gotta, you got to respect that. How are you going to navigate that? I'm quiet on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's it's in people's natural interest to resist change like that. So I was when I was growing up, they banned the lead in children's toys, and then they realized all the the nice novelty mugs they were importing from China all had. Okay, so change is slow. Yeah, change is very slow. Don't worry, when you apply a hot liquid and you drink out of it, 
There's no way Lidlet is transferring. You start <laughs> you start screaming and having weird thoughts and then jumping out of buildings. It's like aluminum pot syndrome. <laughs> or was the uh, the Teflon flu? Teflon flu. I never heard of that one. Do you cook your bacon in a Teflon pan? No, I put it on a... I sometimes do it in an iron skillet, sometimes do it. So, uh, whiskey just scared the fucking shit out of me. Uh, apparently when I fry my bacon in my Teflon pan... Um, polymer fume fever or fluor polymer fever, also form, informally called Teflon flu, is an inhalation fever caused by the fumes released when polytetrafluorethylene, PTFE, known, known under the trade name Teflon, reaches temperatures of 300 degrees Celsius or 572 degrees Fahrenheit. Take a uh, side of that with your bacon. Yeah. So... When you're doing your bacon on Sunday morning or when you're frying your bacon in the morning, you're inhaling shit and you're getting Teflon flu. What happens? What happens when you get Teflon flu? Let's find out. Symptoms are flu-like, chills, headaches, and fevers with chest tightness tightness, and mild cough. Onset occurs about four to eight hours after exposure to the pyrolysis products of PTFE. So basically, you you explain that anytime you apply a certain no, amount of heat to those Teflon products, the fumes that you breathe in, you get flu-like symptoms. Mmm, bacon. Oh, it's, I, think it's worth over, it. I think it's worth it. A side <laughs> over of nausea and headache. I don't. I haven't had that yet, so I think it's okay. I, I think this is. Hokum. Do you like crispy bacon? I love, well, I'm kind of like, I like my hybrid. It's like crispy, but it's got a little bit. You you might be in the safe zone. You might be in the safe zone. Because the key point is when it gets crispy. Uh, That's the temperature range. Well, I put my pan on low, like low heat, and I cook it that way. And it it can get crispy if it's. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So it's it's, it's just how it's done. So environmentally product, family products. So they put something you, you, you know you're gonna cook with it. So it says it says a high white blood cell count may be seen and chest X-ray findings are usually minimal. Yeah, what well, just means a um, superstitious hokum. No, <laughs> it means your body's actually re- white blood cells is a sort of a physiological reaction to yeah. the toxin. Okay, I see. Your body is expunging. So if you get the flu because you ate bacon. Is it because of you were cooking it and you breathed in the fumes? Or is it I consumed the bacon? No, it's fumes. It's just because of the fumes. And, okay. And... How dare you? How dare you? You are a guest. No, it, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a scare. I'll keep that in mind. I'll put my gas mask on when I, uh, when I go cook it. bacon. It'll look funny in the morning. <laughs> put the exhaust fat fan on, on your electric s- stove. Scare the shit out of my eight-month-old. That's how well documented it is. What? Teflon flu? What I will say is know your tools. A pan will be fine. If, you're, if your wife's anemic, yeah, a cast iron pan will be good. i got to learn more words now. You're making me learn shit. <laughs> You're scared. I'm so scared. So it's not the only coding. Oh, so you just have to look at the labels and basically become a lawyer. Um, read, read reviews, read health risks. I go to Canadian Tire. I look. I want to get a pan. I want to just replace the current pan that I have. It should be. 
no more fucking whoa, 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 complicated whoa. than Do that. Do you take your Tim Hortons coffee and put it in the microwave? Sometimes. You're a fool. Why? Because it gets fine and you get coffee all over the place. If you take the lid off, you're fine. It's fine. And the part that catches the fire is the seam of the cup. Ah, never happened. Yet. I've seen it get burned, actually, on a couple of occasions. But, like, I'm just putting it in there for 30 seconds. You're fine. You're not going to die. It's not like throwing well, a I bunch like of metal knives in and chainsaws part of the time. God, do you, like, do you walk around in, like, a fucking, uh, just a plastic bubble and not allowed to have anything impact your life? Like, a, bracket, a bracket risk, my friend. Bracket, bracket risk. Like, how, like, that seems... You're not living. <laughs> it well, sounds like you're not living if you're constantly bracketing risk. Well, you, you do it all the time, but you, do, I choose risks which risks I take and bracket the ones I do not. I cannot control. We make choices and we bracket risks. So if you're, if you're speeding, you're producing a certain amount of risk. Okay? You're going... Roads are rated for a particular speed. Your tires are rated for a particular speed. Okay. If you push it above that, let's say you have an all-season radial. If you have winter tires, well, a lot of winter tires are only rated to 90 kilometers an hour. Really? You should probably read that. So why do they have 100 kilometers an hour speed limit on the highways? And the sign that says, drive to the conditions. Nobody watches that. Let's let's call a spade a spade here. I think we got a sign that says, can't you read the goddamn sign? Yeah. <laughs> That's honestly... We, I'm mostly a trend about reading here. What I, oh, you're trying to get me to read. I read, but here, here's the thing. The way I look at those signs, I see somebody trying to use that as an excuse to penalize you. I see that as a follow-on legal action that can be taken against you. No different than why they say, Careful, hot on your Tim Hortons coffee mug. That's a whole other segue. I only got so much energy in me today. There's <laughs> only so much Why are those ambiguity are they, and misinformation I can tackle today. Okay, okay, fine. But are those signs put there to protect people? Are they there to protect the individual driver? Or are they there to use against the individual driver when they fuck up? So you, did you know there are regulations that govern what signs are put where? Feel like I did, but let's for argument's sake. I said I don't. I don't know that. So let's say I have a, a an intersection, four way intersection. Okay. Initially, you say, "Well, let's put a four way stop." Yeah. Because it's cheap. It's cheaper to put a four way stop than electronical device that requires right? power to maintain and so update. What, what governs the step between a four way stop sign and a four way stop sign with a blinky light? Sorry, say that again. What governs a the regulation to invest the money into a four-way stop with a blinky light. I don't know. The number of collisions there. That makes sense. Stop sign to the blinky light stop sign. Warning people that there is a stop sign to a traffic light. And then from a traffic light to like multi-lane turn lanes. There's a gradient here. <coughs> What's a gradient? Uh, I'm going to put you to it, man. I'm going to make you work. <laughs> He's Googling it now. Because I've had like three whiskeys. In mathematics, the gradient is a multivariable generalization of the derivative. Well, the derivative can be defined on functions of a single... This, this doesn't answer shit. <laughs> it doesn't answer fuck all. You should do a gradient. <laughs> Sounds like a drug. 
Anyways. I should do gradient, yeah. That's so gradient so gradient is essentially a slope. Okay. So if it's not, ah, okay, it's not on or off, yeah, there's yeah. a scale in which we're using to evaluate the particular situation. And it applies to, the word gradient applies to pretty well everything we do in life because no, nothing is ever binary on or off. There's a gradient here. Um, and in this particular case, there are steps. So if you don't read the signs, you don't acknowledge that. They put a sign there because there's risk to you. Your government is saying the transport safety organization that is designed to, or at least attempt to protect citizens, is investing money and putting up signs because it has a documented value to that. Um, People don't think like this all the time, do they? Like, like not everything is treated like business like this, is it? I, this, it wasn't this, very big money. This, this is my like, shame look. No, no, no. Like, is this is this actually true that people, this is how, because common people don't think like this. They don't think, they don't take into account this level of risk management. Right? Yeah. People don't, that, but, that's why, but that's why we have government. But businesses, is, is this business, exactly how our government works? Like, yeah. They, business they, cases. Everything runs, everything, major decisions run on a business case. Okay. If you put put into the business case, we have certain factors and we have certain decisions in order to make and we have these stakeholders that need to have a particular outcome. Yes. Yes, they do. So we need to get better at the, at understanding this process because this is how we're being run. This is how we're being represented. I'm pointing at a computer so you can read, folks. Okay, so really what it comes down to is just read. If if we spend our entire life solely segmented on one particular thing, you'll never understand the richness. Like when I first started, I was a computer programmer. I became an engineer. Now I took a business degree. I've taken project management. Like the point becomes if you don't understand the other side of the coin, mm-hmm. you've done yourself a disservice. When you play the game of chess, you learn how to play black and you learn how to play white because the pieces are slightly different. Okay. If you don't think... If you're a very... if you, And I, I'm going to say this. This is if you're an, a very intelligent person and I almost... If you're like not... I won't say go so far as like hyper-intelligent, but somebody who is consciously aware of these kinds of things. Like, I, and, I'll, and I will credit you with that. Like, you are somebody who, who thinks about these things in that way but here's the thing people do not the general public does not think that way people like shit simple that's why we have politicians that tell us how we're getting fucked over by the other guy so that that way they can tell us that i'm going to do things better right we 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 like things simple that's why ideology works yes but what i want from you is or what I expect of my common man is to understand the decision that they're making. It's a tall order. You know what? So what? Be a man. Be a person. Ooh. Take responsibility for the things that you do. I'm triggered. At the, be- at the, the beginning of the podcast, you told people <laughs> their inability to plan, their inability to understand the decisions that they're making. Oh, shit. You didn't just throw that back at me. Uh, Choke on it. Uh, <laughs> Choke on it, my friend. How fucking dare you? <laughs> if you are going to take the time to decide what you're doing, 
before you get there. Mm. With the particular objectives. And- there will be no more whiskey. <laughs> there will be only rocks after this podcast. If you're not going to take responsibilities for your actions. Why should I? I'm a filthy millennial, according to you. If you're not going to take decisions, if you're not going to take responsibility for your decision, honestly, don't make it. If you want to go with the cheapest thing, go with the cheapest thing. Honestly, go with the cheapest thing. And that's what most people do do. But don't expect. If you're just going to go with the cheapest thing, understand there are other systems at that play that will try and achieve societal objectives. You may not decide. You may decide that you want nothing to do with climate change. And that's okay. You know what? That's okay. Mm-hmm. You don't have to believe in climate change. It believes in you. It believes in you. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> well, what I'm trying to say is, if you behave predictably, the systems, the government, and the businesses will respond in kind. And that's what carbon, carbon tax does. That's what a carbon tax does. It changes the systems around you, so you don't have to make the decision. Well, that's the whole... That, I mean, that ties into why we even have something like a representative government in the first place. I Okay, I get it. Because we don't want to have to think about that shit, so we hire somebody else who can. And... In addition to that, we hire that person or we hire that organization, in this, in this case, the government, to make those decisions to hopefully tax us. Like, well, hold on. I can't believe I said that. But they, but you heard it here, folks. I need to turn your mic on. Not hopefully, I'm not saying hopefully, but to be responsible in how they go about taxing us. There's no perfect system. No, absolutely not. I agree. You know, you know but the, the time we, it fits through the three hundred something different delegates in par in the parliament plus the senate. By the time a bill meets a session, it's going to be watered down. It's not going to be perfect. It's yeah. not going to support a single view. It's going to have something for everything. On that, we can agree because honestly, no, no system is perfect. But the system that we've come up with so far is the best thing that we have come up so with so far, and I agree with that. That's fine. When it comes time to decisions about things that we consider to matter, and clearly, we you know, climate change is enough to warrant a podcast episode of or over it. Um, how can we trust a government that engages in what we see as sleazy shit? Like, I'm not talking about government. You can't look at government like it's one big thing, big entity, and it's shadowy and shit. No, it's filled with people, and people are fallible. Yeah, I get that. And people are can be corrupt, and people can, you know, screw everything up for the rest of us. Okay, fine. But how can we trust an organization like that to lead the way on something as complicated and as serious a subject as climate change? So this is the point in the podcast where we're going to say checkmate. Is this going to be the, the, the recurring theme? This is the uh, this, beginning of the end. This is what happens? You say checkmate? No, it's going to be my thing. I'm done? Okay. You're done. <laughs> so, no, you don't trust them. You need to take action. You need to vote. You need to have a say. You need to talk to your MPP. You need to express your views and exercise your right to freedom, freedom of speech. Yeah. So if your views are known they can at least have a chance of being considered. The next thing, because the government is trying to regulate the businesses to try and have the maximum effect with per tax dollar or per policy. So you need to vote with your wallet and make decisions that matter for the, for the things that you believe in. So if you believe in climate change, 
Do it. But you also want to look at for your own economic interest, too. That's If it's the cheapest one, well, then you're going to go with a price leader. And a price leader is going to look to put in technical, logical solutions that reduce their overall carbon tax. So if you're going to, if you're saying you don't trust government and vote, the next thing is make your opinion known, again, through MPP. But the last one is tell your family, talk to people, develop groups of, and strategies. If you get together and come up with a solution for an ecological program, a problem, as a group of people, you're impacting technology. If you're organizing a, a trash pickup, go for it. If you find a way of recycling a particular item in your area, well, that benefits that area. That benefits the wildlife in that area. And it brings the sense of community that I think in some ways have been lost. First, when you talk about price leadership, okay, you're talking about a business term, right? I, I had to look it up while you're saying it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny it. Okay, so price leadership. Um do you wanna just explain that real quick? I can I have it in front of me. Do you want me to just read it off? Go for it. Alright. So price leadership is when a leading firm in its sector determines the price of goods or services. This can leave the leader's rivals with little choice but to follow its lead and match the prices if they are to hold on to their market share. That make that's pretty Yep. Pretty on. Okay. And if the government is raising the cost of a particular process and they all use that process, it all goes up. So if one industry one one member of that group is in that process of upgrading its equipment, it will have the ability to lower its taxes and then lower its costs. Okay. And then all the other industries have no choice but to fall suit. Okay. Now, when you're talking about me as the consumer, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. There is a felt lack of a sense of community. Okay. Um, so then why is it that we're leaving certain things? Like, let's just take recycling as an example, because we've already used that at the beginning. Um, why should I have to worry about that when I've already got a municipal government that's covering that off, and I just abide by whatever direction that they provided. I thought you said you hate taxes. Do you need to elaborate? So... You know what I'm talking about. In municipal government, pay you pay taxes. And no one likes tax increases. But the problem is that we're... The population is growing. There's more and more packaging. We are running out of places to bury the crap. So if we're running out of places to bury crap, let's reduce the amount of crap we're throwing out. The way we do that is through recycling. Yeah, I thought if my I, taxes were already paying for that. Yeah, the, the addition it, of a carbon tax. But it didn't go sure. up. It didn't go up. My taxes it, didn't go up. No, your taxes for this component didn't go up because we reduced the amount, of, amount we're putting in it. Okay. But landfills yeah. open yeah. and close all the time because there's only, when you dig a hole, the hole can only hold so much. Okay. And there's only so many parks we can put on top of them so we get a natural wildlife growing these, car these little garbage dumps. But anyways, hmm. I'm from Winnipeg. All our parks were garbage dumps. Uh, Winnipeg is a dump. Yeah. Sorry to Winnipegers. I've been to Winnipeg. I lived there. Actually, Winnipeg is a beautiful city. 20-something years. Uh thing about Winnipeg is, uh, what is it? Uh, Stuart McLean said, uh, it's the hardest place to get somebody to move to, but the hardest place to get somebody to move from. Well, I had no problems. I left running. 
God bless you. Rest in peace, Stuart McLean. Hi, Mom and Dad. <laughs> anyway. And sister. <laughs> and cousins. <laughs> anyways, I digress. Yeah. But anyways, we talk about ways of reducing our carbon footprint and reducing our expenses associated with it. So the hole can only hold so much. So by reducing how much you put into it, you reduce your taxes. If you look at the other way around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyways, so if you look at the ways of reducing your costs and how being pro-environment reduces your expenses, is if we reduce the cost of landfills, the cities subcontract out uh, the removal of recyclables. Because your recyclables, because you've already done the selection of the materials, <clears throat> they have a value. And because, and then they take the trucks and pick everything up. Now, when they pick everything up, that those materials now have commercial value, and it's cheap for the government to impose that on you. This is something that I've actually. I it goes back to uh, a question that I brought up with you earlier, and I think you're actually starting to finally come around to it. You know, a half hour later, um, but the idea that. How does this benefit me long term? Because if this is, if everything here is based on economic decisions and business decisions, how is this going to affect me in the positive in the long run? Because if I'm the, if I'm the populist here and I, there's, there's a couple of ways that I'm looking at things. I want to buy things for cheap. Um, I'm more likely to spend, um, or more likely to make decisions uh, to fuel short-term gain economically, right? Um, so how does this ben- benefit me in the long term if I want to if I want to be prepared for that? So something like a carbon tax. Well, that's one example. So on you know, this spectrum is your municipal taxes, which include garbage removal. They're going to be a little bit lower because you're recycling, right? Yeah, and okay because you're taking but, the materials. That have commercial value and reselling. That's one effect, but there's other effects, is there not? Like with other, let's say, bigger businesses with uh, overhead costs. Because I know you've mentioned that to me before. Overhead costs is like saying costs. <sighs> what it costs for them to produce. I can't explain that. I'm, I'm, a, I'm terrible at trying to explain business practices. But what goes into a business to produce what it needs to produce oh i mean like the, 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 fuel, the fuel it needs to consume in order to produce like the electricity the natural gas it requires to produce a, a yeah. quantity so if it's not directly attributable to the particular product costs it's going to go into overhead costs so it's there so i mean the cost will always be there and they're going to find some way of trickling into your product whether it's by percentages or it's going to be by specific material costs to make that one right they're always there so you're not. You're not going to get around them. I think. I think where I was trying to go with this was those costs mm-hmm. that a that a business is going to have to uh, account for because of something like a carbon tax. They factor that in if they change their technology, right? Mm-hmm. If they change their technology that um, has an effect to produce an incentive. Right, mm-hmm. that that reflects on the incentive that the government is is offering, right? That first of all, it impacts the consumer because it cheapens their the cheaper doesn't cheapen it. It lowers the cost on the consumer's part 
Um, it lowers the cost on the um, producer's part, the business owner. So that's good in the long run. If what I'm getting from you is is correct, right? Uh, and then it, and then in the super long run, it has a has a positive effect on on the environment from a business per- perspective. Yeah. Okay. We got another ad. That's right. I mean, you're incorporating all the different pieces. It and at the end product is the social will. So the company has an incentive by improve by being viewed as a company that supports global welfare. Um, by well, you so, be careful with that word. Oh come on, <laughs> goddamn socialist! No, if I mean we're we're looking at improving the the health of the planet. If you're a company that's viewed of supporting these initiatives, that's things you can brag about. So then it's cool to be green. It's cool. It's now a marketing ploy. And we know companies invest millions and billions into marketing. And you can say, we are looking out for your long-term welfare because we chose not to do this. So it, it, it becomes a product or initiative that they can spin to be perceived as more of a pro-consumer product. Anyway, we'll wrap it up there. As a consumer, you have a say. As a voter, you have a say. You vote with the, the, the party that has the most ecological platforms. As a consumer, you look at products that suit your needs and have your ideals in mind if you read the labels. And three, you, we can do this. I have kids. Rox has kids. You have kids. If we don't look after them, what's the point? What's the point of all this effort? I didn't even add to that. According to according to whiskey, at least, um, it's in the interest of business to support all of those things that he mentioned. As much doom and gloom as it seems there to be, you know, the, going on with, um, say, America pulling out of the Paris uh, Paris Agreement and all that kind of stuff. All the doom and gloom that's going on. New hand signals. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. There's all kinds of doom and gloom that's going on. However. Just be, just know that things are actually getting better. It is in the interest of business to make sure that your interests environmentally are looked at. You're right in saying is that there are things that are afoot. The point is make make your opinion known. Take action. All the incremental changes have an impact. And as small as plankton are, they produce the world's oxygen. So if you want your children to breathe, Protect our oceans, protect your country, and protect your loved ones. Plankton. I am plankton because I'm small and I have a say. Okay, and on that note, thanks, uh, uh, thanks folks, for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate that.